Good morning. How are we doing today? Good to see you this morning. We want to welcome you here today. We also want to welcome our Columbus family this morning. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're starting a new series today. And along with that, that'll actually run us through Easter. And so we always do a good Friday service every year. And this year, our Good Friday service, which is April 19th at 7 o'clock, it'll actually be in Columbus this year at the State Theater Event Center. So we hope that you'll come out and be a part of that. We're going to gather together uh, one church in two locations, and it'll be one location that day. So April 19th at 7 o'clock, we'll have a Good Friday service, and we'll hope you'll be a, a part of that. As I said, we're starting a series called On the Way, and a lot of things happen on the way. Sometimes life happens on the way. You're going somewhere, conversations you have in the car, um, you're expecting to go to the store and then something happens on the way. Or maybe you're on vacation and something happens on the way back from vacation. That's what happened to my family. A few years ago, we were going to Gulf Shores, Alabama, had a good time and we were on the way home and we're probably about, I don't even know, six, 700 miles from home. We're somewhere in some small Mississippi town and all of a sudden we're driving and I hear something going wrong with my engine and Whitney looks at me and I kind of look at her and I'm like, ah, this is not good. And so we pulled over to uh, this O'Reilly auto parts store and the guy behind the counter wasn't real busy and he just looked at me and he said, hey, I think I know what's going on. And I said, well, do you have the part? He said, yeah, yeah, I got the part. And so I paid for the part and I said, well, do you know how to put it on? And he goes, nope. Don't have any idea. But he goes, I got some good news. I said, well, what is it? He goes, well, uh, our mechanic, Eddie, here in this town, he, he can put it on for you. Got some bad news. What? Well, Eddie's at a funeral, and he won't be back for four or five hours, so make yourself at home. And we still talk about that vacation so, because, like, for four or five hours on the way home, we were stuck at an O'Reilly auto parts store eating gas station sandwiches and just hanging out waiting on him to show. We all have things like that that happen in our lives that are on the way, something that we intended to happen, and then all of a sudden something else happens, and now we're somewhere else. And really, this is what this series is about. We're going to be looking at Jesus as he's on the way to the cross and to the tomb, and yet despite his plans for the cross and the tomb, he still ministers, and he still does what God calls him to do, even on the way. Today, Jesus is on the way out of Jericho, and he's just simply making his way out of Jericho. A lot of people had heard about Jesus. Jesus was getting kind of famous, not necessarily because they believed he was the Son of God, but just simply because he was good entertainment. I mean, he did the signs and the wonders, and when he did something, he spoke something, or he, you know, he touched someone, something happened, and so people were mesmerized by that. And there was a crowd that would always follow him. And so he's, as he's leaving Jericho, this crowd's following him. And there's this guy, his name's Bartimaeus. We can just call him Bart for today. But Bartimaeus, or Bart, is in this crowd of people. He's, he's, he's a blind man. And because he was blind, he was a beggar. And so this blind guy named Bart, who's begging, is beside the road that Jesus is coming by. And as he's coming by, the crowd again is yelling and screaming and, and just kind of doing their thing. And all of a sudden, this blind man hears that Jesus is nearby. He can't obviously see, but he can believe what someone's telling him. And so he begins to, to holler out, Jesus, 
son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And for whatever reason, Jesus doesn't hear him because he kind of continues to go. But there's some people in the crowd around him that do hear him. Have you ever been to a Cardinals game or a Royals game or a Chiefs game or something like that, and there's a lot of people yelling, it's even hard to talk to the person next to you because there's so much noise going on. So this man had to have shouted fairly loud because some crowd heard him. And when the crowd hears him, they look at him and say, shh, be quiet, quit talking. You're not anybody, just shush. And rather than giving in to that and just kind of stopping Even though this blind man couldn't see, he believed. See, believing leads to seeing. And that's the main truth today. Believing leads to seeing. Say that with me. Believing leads to seeing. And this man, he couldn't see, but he believed. And when the crowd said, be quiet, stop talking, rather than giving in, he shouts out even louder, like in that song we were we sang, just a little, sing a little louder. And he looks and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus this time hears him and stops. And he turns around and he says, tell him to come here. And this guy, the way that scripture reads, this guy must have still been kind of talking. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Jesus. Because they look at him and like, quiet down. Hey, cheer up, cheer up. He's telling you to come here. So he comes over to Jesus. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? That's kind of a loaded question. And it's funny because you would think, well, the son of God, I mean, he would know what this guy needs, but for whatever reason, he still asks Jesus, or he looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And without hesitation, Bart looks at Jesus, and he says, my rabbi, which simply means my teacher, I want to see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And scripture says after he was healed, he began to follow along with the rest of the crowd out of town. There's a lot that we can grab from that story today as we see Jesus on the way, on the path to the cross and to the tomb. I think for many of us today, just like in this story, although we're the opposite of Bartimaeus, a lot of times we want to believe. We want to believe that our marriage will get better. We want to believe that there's hope beyond losing a loved one that we care about. We want to believe that there's a job out there that that we're going to get hired, and yet over and over and over it seems like we can't find the job that that we want, or or we just for whatever reason feel like there's something in our life that's missing and and we just don't know what it is. We want to believe, right? We want to believe, but sometimes it's hard to believe because of what we can see. And what we see in this story is, is that a part of our healing, a part of the answer we're looking for is, is in the waiting, it's in the trusting, it's in the believing even when we can't see. So there's a few things today that we can learn from this story and apply to our lives when it's hard to believe. 
The first thing is kind of might seem a little bit, you know, not that big of a deal, but, but it's really a big deal. Bart was in the path of Jesus. In fact, Scripture says that he was sitting beside the road. This blind man, Bartimaeus, doesn't just go down any road. He's on the same road that Jesus is on, sitting beside the road that Jesus is going down. You see, our location matters. Our location in life matters. In other words, in our lives, if we want Jesus to do something for us, if we want to see things in our life improve, if, if we want to experience more of God, if, if we're in this place of doubt and, and, and struggle today, it's important that we understand that we have to be intentional about our time with God. See, because when we spend time with God, when we gather together like this and worship, when we pray, and I'm not just talking about, Lord, thank you for the meat. Thank you for the people around us. Now let's eat. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we spend that intentional time with God, we're in the right location. See, we all want things in our life to go a certain way, but sometimes we don't check where our location is. We all want our husband to, to treat us better, or we want our wife to treat us better, but our location says we don't pray for him, for him or her. We don't read God's word every day. We're not on our knees praying for that person. So our location is sending us somewhere else. It's not on the same path as with Jesus. Bartimaeus was on the same road that Jesus was on. What's your location today? In Columbus and here, here in Pittsburgh, what, what's your location? My life isn't what I want it to be. I mean, I'm, I'm however old, and I thought my life was going to be different than this. I thought my marriage was going to be different than this. I thought my finances were going to be different than this. I thought I'd, whatever. I mean, you fill in the blank. I don't know. And we want to encounter God and we want God to do something. We're not in the right location. And we don't realize it. We're almost headed to the middle of a monster. Remember that perfect storm, the movie The Perfect Storm? If you don't remember the, the movie, it's actually based on a true story from uh, 1991. The movie came out later, but what takes place in this story is these three storm cells collide and these guys are out fishing. And they start to, to journey back to, to, to home. And this other boat captain says, what's your location? Where are you? And they don't think they're on that great bad of a path. And when he tells her his location, she sends back, you're headed for the middle of the monster. And just like in that movie, there are times in our life where we think we're on the right path. Scripture says there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. There are times in our life where we think this path is an okay path, but it doesn't lead us to where we want to go. Bart wasn't just on any road. 
He put himself in a position the same way we do when we pray and we seek God and we put him first in our life. He put himself in a position to encounter God. What's kind of interesting too is, why doesn't he just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, have mercy on me. He doesn't. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's read that. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. See, Scripture tells us that the Messiah, the coming Messiah, would be from the line of David. So when this blind guy yells out, Jesus, Son of David, he's telling Jesus that he believes that he is the Messiah that he is the one that can do the healing. Listen, I don't just believe, Jesus, that you are a prophet. I don't just believe that you've done a few miracles. I don't just believe today that you're someone that could possibly make a difference in my life. I believe that when scriptures talk about this coming Messiah, I believe that it's you. I can't even see you because I'm blind. But I believe. And, and I personally believe that what stopped him was not just that he heard him, but he heard the, heard the word, heard the word, son of David. See, who you believe Jesus to be matters. And I want to talk to some church people today Some of us, we sit in church year after year, Sunday after Sunday, and we go through the motions, don't we? We've had a a hard week. We've had lots of stuff going on. And once we leave this location here, we go out, and that's the last time that we're with God. And the rest of the week, we're on some other path. And we come back the next week, and we're dry. And we're feeling empty, and we're feeling like, God's not helping us and nothing's changing in our life. And the reality is this morning that we can't just believe that God is someone that we, that we believe exists and we can't just believe that Jesus is someone who died on a cross and raised from the dead. We have to believe that Jesus has the power inside of him and that we can have that resurrection power inside of us and we can believe today that Jesus makes all the difference in our life. Who you believe Jesus to be matters. We all know that talk is cheap. And we can say, how great is our God. And we can sing, worthy is the Lamb. And we can tell our kids that it's important for them to be in church. But God knows who we believe he is by how we live our life. Jesus, you're not just some miracle worker. You're not just some signs and wonder person. You can heal me. Jesus, son of David, if you choose, have mercy on me. What's interesting is Bartimaeus, also, he doesn't listen to the crowd. I mean, because in that story, remember, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and they shush him. 
Don't you hate when people shush you? I mean, seriously. Shh. But I just, shh. Can I just? I do that sometimes on long road trips. I don't care who touched who. I don't care what your sister said to you or what your brother said to you. Just shh. But I just, eh. You know, Satan wants to shush us. Satan wants to discourage us. This Sunday, this, this morning, as I was in my office getting ready, I just felt Satan say, shh. You don't have anything to say. They're not going to listen. Who are you? This depends on the Sunday, what voice you hear, right? It's the same for you. But Bartimaeus, even though he probably heard them say, be quiet, his faith and his belief was bigger than his blindness, was bigger than the crowd. And he shouted all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I think we can get something from that. The naysayers don't matter when you're trying to get to Jesus. I was talking to my wife when I was going through this a little bit, and she said, you know, be careful, because sometimes it could come across like you shouldn't take wise counsel from people what you think is best. That's a good point. There are people in our life that speak truth to us, and we have to be teachable enough to hear it. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm not talking about those people in our life that have earned our trust, and and when they say something, we need to listen, because they got our best interest at heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those people in our life that just try to bring us down, that try to discourage us. And you know, even the best people can be a discouragement sometimes. As much as I hate to admit it, there's times where I might be a discouragement to someone else. Folks, when we believe and we have faith, we have grit. We see, real faith has grit. And we're able to look at those naysayers and ignore them. If you listen to everyone who critiques you, you can't please the one who created you. Say that with me. If you listen to everyone who critiques you, you can't please the one who created you. There are times where people, sometimes good people, with maybe even good intentions, are giving you bad advice. Because they're also in the wrong location. And as you get in the right location, as I get in the right location, as I, as I spend time doing this, and I spend time in prayer and, and worship, God begins with the Holy Spirit to bear witness into us and, and so that we're able to tell, no, that doesn't sound right. Just this week, true story. I had a conversation with someone that told me something, and my spirit, the Lord's spirit in me said, that doesn't feel right, doesn't sound right, I'm not listening to that. Not because I'm trying to be arrogant. I just, that doesn't feel right. And then there was another conversation this week where someone told me something I didn't necessarily want to hear. But the Lord said, Kyle, you need to hear it. This is not from them. It's from me. So you shush and listen. 
We also see in this story that persistence is important. Bartimaeus' persistence gets Jesus' attention. When Jesus hears him, he stops and he says, tell him to come here. I think sometimes it's not just saying something. I think it's the persistence that gets God's attention. See, persistence matters when it comes to faith. Let's say that in Columbus here today. Let's say it together. Persistence matters when it comes to faith. When I was growing up, I'd hear my dad say, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like, what in the world? What is that? You know. In other words, as we're persistent, we, people hear us. You hear if you're looking for a job, you don't just fill out an application and drop it by somewhere. You go by every day and say, hey, I'm just telling you, I filled an application. You know, if, if you're interested in somebody, I'm your guy. There's, a, there's, a, there's something in life about being persistent. I was telling my daughter playing basketball this year, you're doing the right things. Your mind knows where to go. You're, you're, you're in your right spot on defense, but it's not just being in the right spot. It's how you're in the right spot. It's not just saying, you know, I want that job or, or would you consider me? It's not just saying, Lord, would you heal them? It's not just saying, man, I wish my, wish my husband would, would treat me better. I wish, wish our finances were different or I wish whatever. It's not just saying that. It's this persistent attitude that says, no matter what, God, even when I can't see, I believe that you can make the difference in my life and in their life. It's not just praying over prodigal boards and prodigal families and prodigal children, whoever else in our life. It's not just praying over them. It's how we do it. It's persistence. Real faith has grit. And I look in my life and I see people that have extended me more grace than I deserve. And I was having a conversation the other day with my wife and the Lord revealed to me she's put up with a lot. And I'm thankful she has grit and folks, can I tell you today, if we're going to live the life that God calls us to live and we want to see some walls come down in marriages, and we want to see some things restored, it's not going to happen by just going through the motions. It's becoming a little bit undignified and going to war and saying, instead of just praying, it's laying down on our face and saying, God, I'm not going to get up until you give me peace about this situation. Lord, I'm not going anywhere until you, till you do something here. God, I, I pray in Jesus' name for these other people, this other marriage, this girl that I know who's, who's struggling with addiction or, or this family member that's dealing with this issue. Lord Jesus, I come before you today in Jesus' name and I am going to pray like this today. I'm going to pray like this tomorrow. I'm going to pray like this the next day. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. And I want to tell you something, church. What Satan wants to do to us is just say, shh, 
just go to church but don't worship. Just go to church but don't expect anything to be different. Just go through the motions. Bartimaeus didn't listen to the crowd because he believed that not only was this man the Messiah, but he could heal him. Do you believe? This is a big moment today, right here. Where you're at in Columbus, this is a big moment today. Now, when I ask this question, most of us are going to immediately say, well, duh, I believe this, but I'm going to be serious. Who do you believe Jesus to be? Not what the Bible says. Not what your saved grandma who prays for you all the time says. Not what your husband says. Not what your mom says. Not what someone else says. Who do you really believe Jesus to be in your life? Someone else's savior? Someone else who can receive power? Or do you believe today that Jesus can break chains? Can break complacency? That's probably the biggest thing that God does in most of our lives. Most of us don't have some major massive thing going on all the time. Some of us do, but most of us probably don't have some major massive thing all the time. The way Satan works on us is we just get in a routine. We just get in a rut. And all of a sudden, we begin to believe that Jesus is just someone that's not connected to us. Who do you believe Jesus to be? Because when you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're able to identify what your real need is. Bart identified his need. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I've been wrestling with whether to say this or not. I've been going through kind of a dry spell with God. Not because I've done anything or because he's done anything. But I want every day to be this free-flowing presence of God time. And there are seasons that even when you're following God, you don't have these feelings attached to it. And our marriages can be like that. And our friendships can be like that. And our life can be like that. And I don't know about you, but I don't accept that dry season. I think there are times where there's no sin, there's nothing going on. There's a time where God says, if you want more, then lean in more. If you want more, then lean in more. If you want a better relationship with your husband or your wife, then lean in more. If you want a better connection with your kid or your adult child, lean in more. Sometimes the enemy of a, of a healthy relationship is just passivity and complacency. 
So, not that long ago, if Jesus would have said to me, what do you want me to do for you? I want the dry season to be over. And the Lord reminded me, you're not spending as much time with me, Kyle. Or I want you to spend even more time with me. What about you? I'm just being real, okay? I don't know how to, I'm not good at being fake. I realize in the role I'm in, I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm not good at being fake. What about you? Maybe that's not it. What about you, Columbus? Maybe that's not it for you. You're not going through a dry season. Maybe there's something else in your life. What about you? What about you? If God said, what do you want me to do for you? I'll tell you what I want you to do for me. I want you to find my son or my daughter a spouse. I'll tell you what I want you to do for me. I want this person that I keep talking to Jesus about, I'd like them to actually Find Jesus. I'll tell you what I'd like you to do for me, Lord. I'd like for you to begin to to show yourself and reveal yourself in a new way. And God may say, okay, or God may say, look, I have been. They're just not responding, but I will continue. This persistence thing is important. And identifying what you need is important. Because identifying what you need matters to Jesus. What's interesting, Jesus knew exactly what the problem was. He knew this man couldn't see. Why would he ask this guy what the issue is? He knew he couldn't see. Why would he ask him? I was doing marriage counseling one time, and this husband said, well... I told her I loved her when I married her, and if it changes, I'll let her know. I said it once. Why do you need to hear it again? You know how I feel. I always use that voice when I'm talking about somebody. I don't know. And the wife said, well, sometimes it'd be nice to hear it, even though you know it. I'd still like to hear it. So then I did my Dr. Phil and said, well, how's that make you feel? No, not really. Jesus knows what you need, but he wants you to say it. There's something that happens when we lower our pride and we admit what the problem is. Believing comes before seeing. What if what you want to have happen isn't based on whether you see it or not, it's trusting and believing and having faith that it will happen. Faith is a big deal. In our culture, we don't believe until we can see. I mean, even in Scripture, right, Thomas, he didn't believe until he saw the hands with the nails holes in them. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. What would happen in your life and in mine if we would trust God? My wife has a relative on her side of the family, and they have these two twin daughters, 
beautiful girls. They're like 30 years old. They're not married. And every time we go together for Christmas stuff, Kirk always breaks down. And he's just like, I'm just believing that God has two special men out there for my girls. And he grows weary. And the girls are weary. But they're believing that God has that someone out there, even though they can't see. And in your life and in your situation, don't just cut me off because you're done. Hear what I'm saying to you. Stop doing the math. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep seeking. I have no idea why I'm going down this road. I did not go down this road in the first service. But I'm just telling you today, fear is a liar. Satan is a liar. You keep trusting. You keep believing. You keep seeking. And God will come through for you. Amen? Amen. Amen, Columbus. Let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus, I sense your spirit is here today. I sense your spirit, Lord, is is with us. And Father, during this time of worship, God, in, in Columbus and here, I pray, Lord, that you would just create a freedom. If we need to come to the altars today, Father, to say, I trust you, God, I pray that we would do that. If we need to pray for someone else today, God, I pray that we would do that. Lord, just have your way today. Father, I don't want to go through the motions today. I don't want to be in a dry season. And Father, for each one of us here today, they've got something that they would say, this is, this is for me, this is what I don't want to go through. Father, would we lean in today? Would we go beyond just the surface And may we become undignified and say, God, I I want you no matter what it means. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Altars are open. Feel free to pray.